Good morning, Well family. It's so good to worship, but it's also good to remember that Jesus is alive. Amen. Our King is alive. Long live the King. Amen? Amen. Amen. We have a King that is worthy of our praise, and we have a King that is worthy of celebration, and we have a King that is worthy of following. And we've looked the last few weeks at how we get to see his mission. We get to see his purpose for us. We get to see his power and we get to see all those things about him. We get to look at his holiness and see really how he's set apart, but yet he comes into this world, right? And so for us today, we're going to wrap up that series and we're going to look at the authority of Jesus and really the purpose that he has called us to in that, that we get to glorify him. And so he's a king that is above all things. And it got me thinking about what a king really is. What do you have to have to be a king? Mm-hmm. Well, you have to have a kingdom. And you probably have to have some people that you're over, right? So you have to have some land. You have to have a place. You have to have something you're ruling over. And then what I'd ask, you know, what does it mean to be successful as a king? And then I'd think, okay, the king has to protect his kingdom. And he has to expand his kingdom. And he has to rule and reign over it with justice and mercy, with authority. He has to make sure nobody messes with the people in his kingdom. And the king also wants to hand off the kingdom to his sons and his daughters. If a king doesn't let his sons and daughters inherit the kingdom, he's not a very good king. But we have a great king in our King Jesus. And he lets us rule and reign with him forever. And his reign is longer than any king in history. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So with that in mind, we're going to look at when Jesus is introducing himself to people that have missed him. He's introducing himself as king. He's not rolling up like the kings of the day. He's not rolling up like a king would today. He's rolling up as a servant. And with full authority and full majesty, he's serving. And so we're going to look at this story in Luke 5, and we're going to continue in this series called Christ Our True King. And so if you have the scriptures with you, turn uh, to Luke 5 with me. We're going to jump right in today. We really do want your eyes on the Word. If we were in person, we would give you a Bible. If you don't have a physical Bible, maybe you've actually come to Christ during COVID. You don't have a Bible. Maybe you've been following Christ, but you don't have a Bible, and you've like been convicted of that in COVID. Please pause this. Let us know. Go to the Connect form. We will actually send you a Bible. We know that the Word gives us life. And so today, as Tori prayed earlier, we're going to dive into the Word expecting that God's going to move. Expecting that He's going to teach us something today, right? And so let's read from Luke 5, 17 through 26 to get us started. My friend Miles is going to get us started with that today. Hey, Well family. My name is Miles. Happy Sunday, everyone. I'm one of the Covenant community members here at the Well, also part of one of the best CGs in town, the Terrytown Community Group. I'm going to be reading from Luke today, chapter 5, verses 17 through 26. So here we go. Here's the word of God. On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in, because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, 
Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately, Immediately, he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home, glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Miles. Man, I, I see right here amazement. Mm. I see that they're seized, like they're controlled. They're almost captured by what they're seeing in front of them, right? I mean, you think of some magician like David Blaine. He does something. People freaked out. This is different than that. This is better than that, okay? This is amazement. It actually is like worship. And so in this moment, they're worshiping because they're seeing God. They're seeing God move, and they don't know how to describe it. And so they're seized. They don't know what to say. But in that moment, I don't want to skip what just happened. This is supernatural. This is not normal. This doesn't happen every day, okay? And I want us to remember that Jesus is supernatural. He is God incarnate. And if you forget that, you forget how good your king is, that he is outside of the natural. I used to have a trainer, and he was trying to encourage me and pump me up, and he would say, Hey, Adam, just let, you know, just let the Lord put his super into your natural, okay? And he would train better, okay? And that didn't really work that well for me. But right here, we see that he's super not, he's outside of what is normal, right? And so he's healing someone, and that is actually just the proof. Right here, our first point for today is the authority of the king. Jesus has absolute authority. The healing is not the big deal. The big deal is that he has the ability to forgive sins on earth. That is the the blasphemy there. That's what they're thinking. And we'll get to the Jedi power in a minute of him reading their minds. But right here, we see that he has supernatural power to heal. And that's secondary to the supernatural ability to forgive sins. And so as I look at this, I think, what is going on in this scene? I just recently watched a show called The Chosen, and they depicted this. But there was a problem when I watched that is that everybody was so quiet. If this happened, people would be screaming, people would be hollering, people would be doing a lot of stuff, okay? And I've seen that before. There's not a lot of calm. There's not a lot of silence in this moment. The scene would be messy. There's a crowd. There's a ton of people. They can't get in. It's more people than tried to cram into Campbell about a year and a half ago, okay? The hallway was smaller than that, all right? You could not get somebody in on a stretcher. And so they have to break in through the roof. And when you see this this moment, you see this friends bringing this guy in, you know there's a story there. You just sang about how he holds your story together. Think about this guy's story. Think about these friends' stories that are coming in. They don't know what's about to happen. They're showing up with some anticipation. They're actually vandalizing and breaking into someone's home. (laughs) And they're expecting a supernatural event to take place. Remember, Jesus just healed a leper. If you were with us last week, we looked at some of that. And and you see that his power is getting out. People are thinking about it. They're talking about it. Mm -hmm. The word is spreading. But here, they don't know what's about to happen. They bring their friend thinking maybe he's going to get physically healed. Mm -hmm. But yet this man's sins are forgiven Mm -hmm. because of their faith. Mm -hmm. 
That's not what they expected. Yeah. It's not what anybody in the room expected. Mm-hmm. He was forgiven of all his sins and he didn't even ask for that. Mm-hmm. And I think for all of us to be able to see that Jesus is forgiving our sins, he's coming to us and doing something we could not do for ourselves. Right. We didn't know we needed to ask for forgiveness. Yeah. Yeah. When we were in our sin, we did not know that we needed him uh-huh. yeah. until he revealed himself to us. He's doing the same thing today that he did then. Right. He reveals this man's need of forgiveness in the moment when he's asking for help. Mm-hmm. When he's desperate and he's brought before Jesus face to face, Jesus does not what he wants, but what the man really needs. Right. Yes. And so for us to see here, it's so much better that our sins are forgiven. Mm-hmm. It's so much better that all of us will be healed one day. Mm-hmm. Not in this life, but in the next. And so if we're anticipating a kingdom on this earth, we're just like the Pharisees and the disciples, we'll mm-hmm. see it in a little bit, that are pursuing the things of earth more than the things of heaven. And Jesus would constantly say, if you look at this gospels, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Mm-hmm. Repent, repent, the kingdom of heaven. There's a kingdom that has come to earth. It's not about us going to the kingdom as much as it is that the kingdom came down to us. Mm-hmm. And so in this, we get to see that Jesus is living that out in a way. Mm-hmm. He's explaining who he really is by proving to do something miraculous. I love that Luke, who's writing this, is a doctor. Mm-hmm. And he says, immediately the man got up. Again, supernatural, not normal, okay? (laughs) Luke knows that. That's why he's including details like that. And so the man rises up and he glorifies God. I guarantee you that this was a powerful moment, not just in that city, but for those following Jesus, those trying to figure out who is this man? And so we we see that Jesus is not only doing something in the physical, he's also doing something spiritual. Because he's giving us a picture of the gospel. Mm -hmm. See, Jesus came down from heaven and he was brought low like the paralytic. He empathizes with us in that way. Mm -hmm. And see, Jesus actually didn't stay down. He didn't stay low. He rose again. Mm -hmm. And we get to do the same thing. He's giving us a picture of the gospel as he heals this man. And so when we look at the Pharisees and we look at the people observing what's going on, man, their questions in their hearts reveal where their hearts really are. And the same is true for us today. When you read this story, you probably skipped that a miracle just happened. You probably said, oh, that's cool. That happened back then. You probably just went by it really quickly. You wanted to figure out, okay, where's Adam going? What's the point of this, right? Mm. Your questions reveal your heart. It's the same thing as we're looking at God's word. Are you amazed? Are you seized with amazement like the people were? Or are you questioning, how did this happen? I want to figure out a nice scientific method of how this happened. What did Jesus do? Who was in the room? What did the scene really look like? Did it really, was it loud, Adam? I don't know. And so in that, you're thinking in your head and you're stuck in your head. Don't get in your head so much. Don't be like me and do that, okay? And so what I want to encourage you to do is your thoughts actually do matter. Just because you don't say it out loud doesn't mean it's not sinful. Okay, just because it stays in here and you think you can control it, it's probably a sense of you think you're better than others because you haven't said out loud what they have, or they might just be confessing something to you. And so in this moment, you see that the Pharisees are actually thinking things that they never say, and Jesus, man, he turns it on them. He perceives in their heart. He perceives what's going on. It's not just the mind, it's the heart and the soul altogether. That's really what the text is saying here, Mm -hmm. that he's seeing the attitude of their soul. Mm -hmm. And so in this moment, Jesus is rebuking them because they're mocking him in their hearts. Mm -hmm. 
And we mock Jesus in our hearts when we forget that he's king. Mm. We mock him when we think, did you really do that, Jesus? Mm. And now it's not bad to have doubts because he can answer those doubts. But when you take him off the throne, you're mocking the king. And so in that moment right here, their hearts, their souls are turned against the truth. They're missing Jesus face to face. We do the same thing. We miss him when he's right in front of us. They're looking for how they can figure this out and logically get onto this and do all that, but really their hearts are what's blocking them. The logic is there. Jesus is God. The heart condition is the problem. That's where the self-righteousness comes in. And so you see that for these religious elite throughout these stories we're looking at today. And I see these friends here. And what's amazing about this is that there was a plurality of people that brought the man, and then a single man was healed. Mm-hmm. And so in that, his friend's faith actually for, helped him have his sins forgiven, right? Mm-hmm. He did not ask for that. He was brought before Jesus. Now, it's good to say, let's bring our friends to Jesus. It's good to be evangelistic and share with your neighbors, right? It's good to bring others and introduce them to the king. It's good to break into roofs and vandalize houses so people know who Jesus is. But that is not the point of the story. The point of the story is that Jesus came down to us. The point of the story is that he does all this for us. He is the savior. Get over your savior complex. You are not saving anyone. And if we as friends think that we can fight for community so much that we will save the lost around us, we forgot that Jesus was the one that came to seek and save that which was lost. He's the one doing that. We get to partner with him. We get to be a part of what he's doing. We get to watch and be seized with amazement by what our King Jesus is doing. He's the king. He's the one with full authority. He's the one drawing people to himself. And so if you're in that, maybe you have the habit of that savior complex. Maybe you think that you're the one that's going to fix other people. Man, repent of that because you're trying to take the place of Jesus in people's lives. Rather, come alongside, worship, be amazed about who Jesus is, and other people will turn towards him. Worship the king. And so it's interesting in verse 24, he does this. And he says in verse 24, he says, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Mm -hmm. Again, the healing is secondary to the authority of the king. Mm -hmm. Only the king, Jesus, only God can forgive sins. He tells him to rise, pick up your mat, pick up your bed, and go home. Some of you need to pick up your mat and go home because you're already healed. Mm -hmm. You've been waiting for somebody to tell you that you're healed. Mm -hmm. You've been holding on to a victim mentality for too long. And Jesus is saying, get up, let's go, it's time. Mm -hmm. And what you need to do is just go home because your best testimony is to show other people that you've changed. Your best testimony is just to get up and go do life because that's a clear evidence that God has done something, okay? (laughs) And so just going home was the thing that was going to spread the good news, was going to glorify Jesus more than anything. Because think about his home. Think about his context and the people there. They knew he was crippled. They knew he was paralyzed. They, everybody around his house would have known. Everybody knew that he would have felt like a burden to people around him. And to see him willing to walk back to the place where he was probably ridiculed and had an identity that was nothing, and then to be brought into that home again by Jesus and to say, hey, I'm in Jesus now. This is my new identity. That's his testimony. There's nothing big he had to do other than walk home because he was healed. Some of you need to go home this Thanksgiving 
and just go home. Pick up your mat, go home. Your family will be amazed at the change God has done in your life. And that is good, and that is right, and that is your story. And so we see the authority of Jesus to do this. We see the authority to even rebuke in the moment and show incredible grace. See, it's actually a grace that he shows the Pharisees the miracle. That's part of the grace in the story is that it's so that you may know. He's giving them another, they're mocking him in their hearts, and he's giving them another chance Mm -hmm. to see that he's the authority, Mm -hmm. to see that he is God, so that you may know. That's who he's talking to right there. And in that moment, they're giving grace, and they still miss him. And so we see the authority of the king. Next, I want to look at the purpose of the king. And so I'm going to ask my friend Elizabeth Chauncey to read Luke 5, verses 27 through 32 for us. Hi, guys. My name is Elizabeth Chauncey. I'm a Covenant community member here at The Well. I am a part of the 290 East community group, and I volunteer with the children's ministry. Today, I'm going to be reading Luke 5, verses 27 through 32. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. This is the word of the Lord. Man, I think it's no accident that Luke puts both of these stories back to back. And if you look at the first story, it says, on that day, right? And here again, he says, after this. And so that could have been that same day. It could have been another day as well. But these stories kind of mirror each other in some ways. See, with the first, with the paralytic, there was multiple people who helped one man be saved, right? But then you see one man, Levi, choose to leave everything behind, leave all the comfort behind, leave everything of that lifestyle. It says immediately he followed Jesus. He left that behind. And then there was a large company. Okay, they're throwing a party right here, okay? Levi's feeling a little zesty, okay? And so he's doing all this to just be excited and worship the king. And in this moment, the Pharisees are judging Jesus for receiving worship, really. It's not just that he's following him. See, he followed him, and where did he follow him? He followed Jesus to his house. He invited him in to thank him. We see a similar story later with Zacchaeus where he gives a banquet, right? And then we actually see this in Revelation, that there's a picture of a wedding feast. That one day, Revelation 19, that we'll get there, we will see Jesus. It'll be the best Thanksgiving you ever had, okay? It'll be the best food, it'll be everything that we could dream of. And because Jesus is the one being worshipped. And right here we see that they miss it again. Jesus has come to call not the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And so these tax collectors, they're very aware of their sin. They are blatantly sinners. They know that. And there's a large company of them. And so to the religious elite, there's probably even some jealousy. There's some confusion. There's some frustration with Jesus. Hey, we thought you might be one of us. We thought you might help our people out, our party out. But then they're swinging to this side. What are you doing? You're not who we expected you to be. And so right here in this story, we see that Luke is reminding us that he's supposed to get up here. Levi gets up. He leaves things behind. 
But then Jesus also comes and he calls sinners to repentance. And so really, I think Jesus reveals his purpose in two main ways. When we encounter Jesus, we need to rise up and glorify God. For some of us, that's going home. For some of us, that looks like leaving everything behind. Mm -hmm. And both of those can be true Mm -hmm. in the family of God. Mm -hmm. But his other purpose is to call sinners to repentance. It's not for the righteous. In fact, what's really interesting here, the more I've read this and dove into this, is that the Pharisees are actually correct in everything they say. They're just not righteous. Mm. Everything they say, if they had been righteous, if they had been perfect in the law, if they could obey everything, if they were like that, they would have actually been correct in what they're saying. Mm. And in fact, Jesus is agreeing with them. He's not coming for the righteous, Mm. but he's come for them too, because they too are sinners. And so for a lot of us, we've grown up in church. We think we have it figured out. I know for myself personally, I was like born into a church plant, okay? So I have known things that I have not experienced, and those things do not always cross over. I can miss Jesus when he's right in front of me because of the tradition of my own family, my own heart. I've gotten so used to the practices of the church that I've missed the heart of God often. And so here I think they're doing the same thing. See, the old covenant had rightly condemned these men. They were aware that they needed mercy that he brought. And the Pharisees, though, they stood uncondemned by the law in their eyes. Mm -hmm. Thus, they did not need his mercy. And what's interesting about this statement is is both are true, Mm -hmm. but their heart was wrong, and it's a heart issue for them. They only perceived that they were righteous. And see, they were comparing their righteousness to that of the tax collectors. Mm -hmm. They had forgotten the standard that had been set. Jesus is the standard. Mm -hmm. He's the fulfillment and the perfection of the Old Testament. He's the fulfillment of all the law. And so here we see that they're associating themselves with that standard. Mm -hmm. They think they've made it. Mm -hmm. They think they have arrived. Mm -hmm. And they forget how big Jesus is. They forget his purpose. They forget God's purpose, even in the Old Testament, to seek and save that which was lost. Really throughout the whole story of the Bible, you see that God is redeeming the world to himself. He's restoring what has been broken. He's restoring what has been marred and destroyed by sin that we have brought into the world. And so I I love this quote by Tim Mackey. He's really the author of The Bible Project. You've probably watched some of his videos. If you haven't, I encourage you to. And he gives a quote that really captures, I think, some of the story of the whole Bible. He says, the story of the Bible is a story of God wanting to heal his world and get the hell out of earth. (laughs) He wants to remove the hell from earth. It's not that he's getting out of earth. It's that he wants to remove the hell and the damage of sin. Because we try to fix the symptoms of sin. We go after the symptoms and Jesus goes after the root of it. They came with the paralytics so that he would be healed. They're looking at the symptoms of a sinful and broken world. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost by killing and crushing sin. What that man really needed. What was more valuable. And so here we find ourselves doing the same thing. We try to heal things and we try to patch them up one person or one thing at a time. We're trying to fix others. When we need to go to the king who has the authority and who his whole purpose is to heal the earth and get hell out of earth. And we get to experience this through salvation. We get to experience this by surrendering our lives 
and recognizing that we've been healed, mm -hmm. recognizing that Jesus is enough. And a lot of us are trying to still do stuff for Jesus. We're stuck like the Pharisees. We're trying and we're trying and we're trying and we've heard lies. We're trying to live those out over and over again to think that if I just do more for God, he will love me more. Mm -hmm. What did the paralyzed man do to be forgiven of his sins? He was carried. He did nothing, okay? What did Levi do to be called into following Jesus? Guys, don't, don't miss it. He's called into ministry. He's called into a life that he does not deserve in his mind, okay? His identity is totally reversed. Mm -hmm. And here, we get to experience the same thing. If you look back at verses 31 and 32, you can really see what Jesus is communicating here, that there are those that are sick, and there are those that do not think they're sick. Mm -hmm. And you have to choose which one you think you are. Mm -hmm. Who's gonna show up at the doctor's office? That's essentially what he's saying. It's your choice to come to me, mm -hmm. but I am here. Mm -hmm. That's good. And then he says that I have not come to call the righteous. He's the only righteous one. Mm -hmm. And so if you think you're righteous, you missed it again. Yeah. And it, what I love about what Jesus is doing is we get to see his authority and his purpose come together beautifully. Yeah. His authority is what gives him his purpose, and his purpose is lived out in his authority. We have a poor understanding of what a king really is and who a king is. We have a poor understanding of Jesus' purpose because we think it's all about us mm. when it's really about him being glorified. Mm -hmm. And so we, I'm going to close this series, and I'm going to close this moment really as we look through these stories here and remember that Jesus is victorious. Mm. We have the authority of the king, we have the purpose of the king, and we have the victory of the king. And this might be cheesy to some of y'all, but man, this has stuck with me for years. He's got the whole world in his hand, okay? I mean, does he not have the whole world in his hand? Now, the only problem with this illustration is that it says made in China, okay? But other than that, it's pretty good. He's got the whole world in his hand, and he has the victory over the whole world. Now, this might seem childish and might seem simple to you, but I would guarantee you don't live like this. None of us live like he's got the whole world. In fact, this whole last year, we've been thinking that he's not in control. We have forgotten the victory of God on the cross. And we're living like he is not able. And it grieves me to see people that say they follow Jesus myself included, in the panic in our hearts. Mm -hmm. Guys, healing on this earth is not the end game. Yeah. Yeah. Cancer will be no more. AIDS will be no more. Abuse will be no more. And if you're living in anticipation of only having that taken care of, you have forgotten that your sin separated you from the holy and righteous and living king of the universe. And if the best news in your life is that COVID's going to be over, you have missed the gospel of Jesus Christ. If the best news is that you'll be healed on this side of heaven, you have missed the whole purpose of Jesus coming he healed to show the authority to forgive sins, mm -hmm. not the other way around. Right. Yes. 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 And if your heart is desiring that things of this earth would just be fixed, they just go back to the way things were, you're missing out that we're going from the garden to the throne room. Mm -hmm. 
We're going to be with the king. And if your perspective is limited, I want to encourage you. He is inviting you to be with him, to rule and reign with him forevermore as sons and daughters because he is a good and perfect king. Man, we see throughout the gospels that Jesus encounters people and they are never the same. It's time to live like you're never the same. If he is your true king, he changes everything. He's your new authority. He is your hope. He is your righteousness. He has washed you clean. He holds your story together like we sang. And so if in this you believe he's your king, return to him. If you have never decided to put your faith in Jesus, do it today. Whether you're watching this video on the day it was posted, if you're watching it 10 years from now, put your faith in Jesus. I look forward to seeing you 10,000 years from now. Because our king's rule and reign is eternal. He's got the whole world in his hands. This is tiny. This is nothing to him, okay? He's got everything in his hands. And for you and I to forget that, we have minimized not just the cross. We have minimized our creator, God. He sent his son. I think and I try to imagine what it would be like to physically be rescued by a king. And if you think, if you're like a thousand years ago and you're, you're living in a village that has been attacked and is war-torn and is broken and you're hopeless and you're a child and you're stuck under the rubble of what has been destroyed and what you knew to be home. And in that moment, and as the hours pass and as the quietness and the darkness covers you, and the isolation and the loneliness of being overtaken by an enemy, you have no hope. That is what sin does to us. And then as the sun rises and as you hear the horse come by and as you hear somebody get off it and you hear the footsteps, you're filled with fear. You don't know who's coming to uncover you from your covering and your shame and you're covered and you're scared under this rubble and somebody pulls it back and you see a bright light because you can see the light of day for the first time in a long time. And it's a soldier who's gotten off his horse and he's got blood on him and he's been fighting on your behalf and he's run the enemy off and he's crushed him. And he grabs you by the hand, you as a little child, and pulls you out. And he throws you on the back of his horse and you'll ride to his kingdom. And he welcomes you in and he introduces you to others. He introduces you as a son and as a daughter. And you're, you're confused at first because you don't really know how to live as a son and a daughter with this good person, this man that you don't really know all about. And you get to know him and you see him bring others in every day. He's bringing more into his kingdom. Mm. And he's a good king, you realize. He's not just a soldier, mm. but he's the king. And he rides out every day to bring others in. Mm. And then you get to teach others how to be a son and a daughter mm. because he's brought you in and he's taught you how to be a son and a daughter in the palace of the king. Mm. And you no longer fear being under the rubble and being covered up and away from others so no one might see you or uncover what you've been living in in the fear of darkness. Mm -hmm. But you bring others into the light. 
That is the kind of king we serve. That is our true king. Not a false king that says everything will be fine this side of heaven. No, he brings you away from that place and he brings you to his throne room to worship him, to be with him, to teach others about him. That's the kind of king we get to serve. We get to look forward to being with him face to face in all his authority, in his purpose fulfilled, and in his victory. In Revelation 19, verse 16, we get to see something about Jesus that should make us think differently of him. It says, on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. See, this big banquet, this big feast is set out and everybody's worshiping the king and they stop talking about the food. And they stop talking about all the things that they see other than Jesus. And what draws their attention is his name and his authority above all things. That in the chaos of the world, Jesus is on his throne forever. 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 That's the king we serve. And so when we're considering the healing and the rescuing of people on this earth, remember the healing and the rescuing of your own soul. That some of us need to rise and go home. And this Thanksgiving, that's your best testimony. That's great. Just sit there, love on people. That's what you need to do. Some of you need to leave and immediately rise up and get away from the life you've been living. And you know who you are. God's already spoken that to you. And some of us who've been in this church thing, this tradition in our hearts and not living out through the power of the Holy Spirit for a long time, and we've been questioning and mocking God in our hearts, we need to repent of our self-righteousness and pride. And so all of us are recognizing the authority and the kingship of Jesus. So wherever you are watching this today, we're going to do something a little different to close, is that I'm going to actually just give you a moment to pray, to return to Jesus. Maybe you're coming to Jesus for the first time. Maybe you just need to repent of your sin and your pride and your selfishness, and you have taken Jesus off the throne and put yourself and others up there. Would you rise and glorify the King? Would you rise and worship Him? See, every other king in history just wants people to bow low. But what did Jesus do? Rise. Go. Expand my kingdom because I love you, son and daughter. That's the kind of king we serve. So I want to pray for us in this moment and pray for you as you're watching this. If you have never decided to follow Jesus, I want to encourage you to do that right now. We would love to connect with you. You can go to our website and fill out the connect form, and, and we would love to talk with you and walk through this journey with you. We have hundreds of people in our church that have experienced what you're experiencing right now in this moment. And if we were in person, I would invite you up front to, to pray with you and talk with you. Uh, a Zoom call might be good right now. If you want to meet, we could figure that out, okay? But what God is doing in this moment for you might change your eternity and others around you. And so I want to invite you into what God might do by you allowing Jesus to be king of your life. So if that's you, would you pray with me? Jesus, I ask for those that are experiencing you, maybe for the first time today, 
that they would remember that you're not just saving us from the pain of this world, but you're giving us life forever. And so for those that are feeling, that are experiencing that today, we encourage them to rise up, to rise up and glorify you with their lives, to remember that it's not about their own strength, but it's about you, Jesus. And so we ask boldly today for these that are choosing to follow you with their lives, would they enjoy walking with you? Would they have community around them today? Would they tell others about the goodness of their King Jesus? Lord, we thank you for those that choose to follow you. We pray that you would bless them, encourage them, fill them with your spirit right now, Jesus. The joy of the Lord would be their strength. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for bringing sons and daughters into your kingdom. Jesus, I confess that I need to repent of self-righteousness. I've been in this church game a long time. And I ask that you would heal me and let me walk with you and run with you again. Thank you that you do hold the whole world in your hands. I thank you that I can confess that you are Lord of my life. And so I ask to return to you and have freedom in you, Jesus. Thank you. Lord, for those that are looking today at who you really are and they're just discovering who you are, God, I pray that you would put a desire in their hearts to see you face to face. That for all of us, we would recognize that you are the authority and the king of our lives. And so all of us together, wherever we are, we come together and we recognize that you are the one that's worthy of all our praise. Would you be the center of our lives, Jesus? So we're gonna continue in prayer. We're gonna continue to ask God to be the center of our lives. And so whether you've been following Jesus for three minutes or 20 years, would you ask Jesus to be the center of your life? That King Jesus, who's the only one that deserves that place in your life, that he would have that. Would you pray that as we close today? We love you guys.